So today, I want to look at what the Bible talks about uh, as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so what the word baptized really means is just to be dunked. So did anyone, does anyone remember those uh, nest tea commercials when people would drink a nest tea and they would fall back into this pool? <laughs> that is basically what the word baptism means. It's just being plunged into something. So uh, sometimes this word baptism, we, it's kind of a Christian word. We don't use it in many other contexts. But it, what it really means is that we're getting, we're getting taken and plunged into the Holy Spirit and just dunked into the Holy Spirit. So, what do you think of when I say the words baptized in the Holy Spirit? Anyone? Tongues? Yeah, the gift of tongues. Spiritual regeneration. Anyone else have thoughts on what, what just comes to mind when you think of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes? Soaked. Yeah, soaked. Exactly. If you fall back into that water, you're going to be soaked. <laughs> Supernatural, Supernatural experience. Yes, for sure. Yeah, those are good insights. Yeah, I, as I looked at this and studied this and talked with people about this, I've realized there's a lot of different views on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of different understandings as to what it means um, does it happen at the moment of salvation? Does it, can it happen after? Can you be baptized multiple times? Uh, all of these questions. There's lots of different views on it. So we're just going to look at some scriptures um, and see what the Bible says. <laughs> so the term baptized in the Holy Spirit, it, it shows up only a few times in the New Testament. And I think the first time it shows up is when John the Baptist says, uh, that someone coming after him will be the one who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so in Luke 3, verse 16, John is talking to all these disciples and he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So obviously he's talking about Jesus. And then Jesus also uses the same language. Oh, I'm supposed to do the slides. I forgot. <laughs> I'm like, how come they're not changing? Okay, here we go. There we go. Am I in the right spot here? Yes, okay. And then uh, in Acts 1, verse 4 to 8, it talks about how, uh, well, we'll just read it here. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Jesus gave his disciples this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want us to pay attention to the fact that of just the language of what Jesus says, he says, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And then later he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So notice that there's different kinds of language, different phrases that are used to describe this same moment. And just to make things a little bit more complicated, there's about 10 or 11 different words that are used in the Bible to describe this encounter with God, with the Holy Spirit. So baptized in, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon a person. Uh, the Holy, there's, some verses say the Spirit descended upon a person. Uh, a person is filled with, kind of like when you fill a cup. Uh, a person received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit fell upon someone, rested upon someone, poured out upon someone, uh, rushed on a person, clothed with, uh, yeah, oops, getting ahead of myself. So I, I want us, the reason I wanted to share this is because I think um, when it comes to the baptism of the Spirit and when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, um, there's a little bit of mystery involved. And I think at times our English language cannot actually capture what is happening within us. So we have to use language to describe kind of what it's like, like being dunked in a pool or uh, the spirit rushed on him like a wind or uh, was poured out on him like you're pouring water in a cup. So all of these are kind of images that are describing this encounter with the spirit. Um, and a lot of these are pretty much used interchangeably in different, uh, different verses. So... So what is spirit baptism? This is my definition. It's a very broad definition. Let's see, is this not working? Oh, there we go. This is the Jake definition. Spirit baptism is a powerful initial encounter of the Holy Spirit that's often accompanied by clear evidence of his indwelling presence. That's pretty broad. I tried to keep it pretty broad because as I was looking at these at the many verses in the Bible that talk about spirit baptism, they're all slightly different. I feel like the spirit doesn't want us to put him in a box. The spirit acts in different ways. He responds to people in different ways. He moves through people in different ways. It's not always the exact same way. And you, just when you think, oh, the spirit does the same thing in all these verses, you read another one and it's like, oh, he did something a little different there. So the Spirit moves in different ways. Sometimes people receive this dramatic encounter with the Spirit as soon as they receive Him. In other verses, um, like in, with Jesus with His disciples, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then many days later, they receive this Spirit baptism on the day of Pentecost. So... Again, it, it, you can't put the spirit in a box. He, he acts as he wants to. And so, um, I would, in my interpretation of, of a lot of these passages, I would say this is the same as being filled with the spirit, but this is basically the first time it happens to you. So, this is the first time when you receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then, as you journey with the Holy Spirit... Um, God can continue to fill you as, as he empowers you. So, for example, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about a person being filled with the Spirit. So, for, for example, Paul, uh, he had that dramatic encounter with God and he received the Holy Spirit. And then later on, as he's journeying with Jesus, 
there's verses that say he was filled with the Spirit and he spoke and said this, or he was filled with the Spirit and he drove out a demon, or all of these kinds of things. So I would say the filling of the Spirit is something that can happen again and again. Does that make sense? I'm a little bit tired, so my <laughs> with our three girls, they, uh, I, don't, I feel like sometimes my words aren't coming out properly, but please ask questions if I'm not making sense. Do you have, anyone have any thoughts or questions at that point? Yeah? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So, Here's my little picture of the human self. So this is basically a person before they have received the Holy Spirit. As you can see, there's their spirit, they have their soul, and this is their body. So when a person comes to Jesus and they say, Lord, I want to receive your Holy Spirit. I believe in you, Jesus. I trust in you. I repent of my sin and my past life, and I'm turning to you. Please give me your Holy Spirit. The Bible says God wants to give us his spirit. There's nothing he wants more. So when we come to, come to Christ, he pours out his spirit uh, like, like you're pouring stuff into it, water into a cup. So as you can see, this little dot is the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us. And then I believe that this kind of just, God just keeps pouring. There's certain moments, especially moments like when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, where Jesus just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring the Spirit until he basically, we're basically overcome by his presence. And um, I put a little speech bubble there because that's one of the ways that we, one of the forms of evidence that a person has been baptized in the spirit is often this kind of verbal overflow it's like you're it's like you're being filled so much that it just comes out of your mouth uh, so um, my daughter Hannah loves to help around help around the house a lot so sometimes she'll help me sweep or or sometimes she likes to pour her own cups of of liquid and as you know it's doesn't always go well when a child tries to pour their own drink. <laughs> so Hannah will take it and she'll pour it and it's like, no, okay, Hannah, that's enough. That's enough. And she'll keep pouring and then it just overflows everywhere. And that's kind of how I like to think about when Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He's a very generous person. He doesn't just give us a little, a little sip. He wants us to receive that full, that full overflowing of the Holy Spirit. So, verbal overflow is one of, one of the biblical signs that we see again and again and again in the scriptures of, of one form of evidence that a person has received this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in Luke 6, verse 45, it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if your heart is full of the Holy Spirit, your mouth will speak by the Holy Spirit. John 7, uh, verse 37 to 39 says, um, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Notice this language of, of the Spirit being like water. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So again, this language of the Spirit flowing from within us. Um, good flowing from the heart of someone whose heart is good. This is kind of, this is what we're talking about with this verbal overflow. So here's an example in scripture. As you read through the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a great book because it shows um, the narratives of the early church, what, what it actually looked like when, when a church was living in the fullness of the spirit. So here's just one example in Acts 19, verse 1 to 7. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they, re they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And, um, yeah, so notice that the sign that they had received the Spirit was that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. That is a very common th theme throughout the book of Acts, especially, that when a person receives the Spirit, they have this dramatic encounter, and oftentimes it, it, this is shown by the Spirit speaking through a person. Remember last week we talked about how when a Spirit is indwelling a person, it can speak through them? So this is the same. The Holy Spirit, when He indwells us, He can speak through us. Now, if you've been in the church a while, you probably know that... Um, when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues has been very emphasized, especially in Pentecostal groups. And I grew up Pentecostal, so I love the Pentecostals. But uh, in my experience, there was a lot of people who felt a lot of shame and guilt and inadequacy because they hadn't experienced the gift of tongues. Now, I don't believe we all have to speak in tongues to as a sign that we have received the Spirit. Because I think Paul in, in 1 Corinthians says that do all prophesy, do all speak in tongues. Um, we all, the Holy Spirit gives us each gifts and he manifests himself in us in different ways. So I don't think we need to feel guilt or shame if we haven't experienced uh, the gift of tongues. But with that being said, let's let the scriptures challenge us. If we see in the scriptures that people are always being uh, when they're filled with the Spirit, there's always this dramatic encounter with the Lord. Let's hunger for that. Let's hunger for the gift of tongues. Let's hunger for prophecy. Let's come to the Lord, if we haven't experienced it, and say, Lord, I believe that you're with me because I asked you to, to come and dwell in me. But Lord, I want to experience the fullness of what you've given me. I want to experience the fullness of your Holy Spirit. If tongues is part of that, Lord, give me tongues. Let me speak in other languages. Lord, let me prophesy. Uh, let's have that hunger for the gifts of the Spirit, all of the gifts of the Spirit. And let's not, 
let past hurts or, or things like that get in the way. Let's not feel any shame or guilt, but uh, be excited about what the Spirit can do in us. So the next thing that we see in spirit baptism is this endowment of power from God. So Acts 19 verse 1 to 7 says, Jesus is saying, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then Luke 29 verse 49 says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, which is the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So, again, uh, power. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the supernatural power through the Holy Spirit. So, oftentimes when we think about the disciples and, and, and Jesus being raised from the dead, uh, we think about how Jesus showed up to them after he had died. And then he raised, was raised from the dead and he showed up to them. And you would think at that point they would be like, we're ready to go, Lord. We've seen you alive. Let's go tell the world. We're ready to go. But Jesus says, no, go wait. Go wait until you've been clothed with power. Go wait until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. And after that point, the moment they had received the power, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, all of Jerusalem knew about the resurrection very quickly. Very quickly. So, an interesting thing is that this word power in the Greek is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. So, just think about it. Like, when we receive the Holy Spirit, God's basically giving us some dynamite. He's saying, you can't do a lot on your own. But here, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the dynamite that can spread the gospel very quickly. So, I don't know if, you've, if any of you have read a lot about church history or know a lot about revival history. Um, but oftentimes, when I talk about revival, I'm talking about moments when the church just explodes and, and people encounter the Lord in crazy powerful ways. But oftentimes... Revival happens in very unlikely circumstances. It often happens in places where there's a, there's a few unlikely individuals who maybe aren't super gifted in certain ways or, or uh, don't have really good skills. They're just people who are kind of unlikely uh, who come together and all they want to do is just seek the Lord. And all they want to do is pray and, and seek the Lord. And it's in those moments that God, God gives a, this group his dynamite. He says, here is the Holy Spirit. Here is the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. And then after those moments, the church just explodes and spreads in ways that is just unfathom, unfathomable. So um, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive this power to share the gospel, this power to, to spread the kingdom of God. Some other signs of receiving the Spirit are dreams and visions. Joel talks about this in Joel 2, verse 28. Um, spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians, there's a whole list of different spiritual gifts. 
and the Spirit gives gifts to each of us as he desires. And then inner assurance is another sign that you've received the Spirit. This strong witness inside of you that says, I know I have received the Holy Spirit. I, I really know that I've received him. Um, I can't remember where it is. Oh, Romans says, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. So that's a sign uh, to us that we've received the Spirit. So these are, these are just some of the, the signs or evidence that we've received this, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, again, I don't want to box the Holy Spirit in. I don't want to put him in a box and say, if you haven't encountered the Holy Spirit like this, you haven't received spirit baptism. Or, uh, again, or if you haven't spoken in tongues, you haven't received the Spirit. Um, so I don't want us to feel guilty. I don't want us to feel inadequate if we haven't experienced some of this kind of cool, crazy stuff. But I want us to be excited and, and to seek after it. To seek after the Lord in all that he, he wants to give us. So if you haven't had a dramatic, powerful life-transforming encounter with the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to seek you. With, I want to experience all that you have for me. I want to experience all the crazy stuff that we read about in the Bible. I'm open to all of it. Let's have a heart like that that's, that's open to receiving whatever the Spirit has to give to us.